fraudulent elections have consequences. Going to New York City? Papers, please. And I outdo myself once again by smoking the best brisket I have ever smoked. Bold Alpha is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Trenta, commemorating 30 years of cigar excellence. The Gurkha Trenta is everything you'd expect from a Gurkha. Exquisite construction, exquisite flavor, exquisite pleasure. GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the Camacho Nicaragua, forged in fire, harnessing the wild flavors of Nicaragua. Camacho, live loud, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Greetings and salutations. It is Alpha Dave, the general and your global alpha male in chief, front and center from Command Center Alpha in a classified location somewhere on the North American continent. We are conducting special clandestine maneuvers, but Bold Alpha and our brother podcast, the Cigar Dave Show podcast, shall continue from our clandestine location. And I welcome you to Bold Alpha, your one stop for alpha male lifestyle conversational maneuvers and unabashed commentary. Fraudulent elections have consequences. I've been stating it since last November 3rd. The election was a sham. Fraud rampant all over the place. How on earth does a clown with diminished mental capacity, brainless Biden, who retreated to his Delaware basement for the entire campaign, where his campaign events drew no more than 30 people. You tell me how he supposedly garners more popular vote than Barack Obama. Figure that one out. There is no ifs, no ands, no buts. We are seeing the fraud. We are seeing when the audit comes out in Arizona in the next few weeks. We're going to see it in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Just do the math. Use common sense. These Democrats want to keep their heads up their their, uh, ignorant asses. But we all know the truth. The chickens have come home to roost. The latest example, the travesty that took place in Afghanistan. And now it is coming out that the intelligence agencies, the Department of Defense, the Joint Chiefs of Staff have all told or did all tell Biden starting in June and July that the situation with the Afghan army was deteriorating. They could not defend themselves. There were issues all over the place that as soon as the pullout would be complete, the Taliban would most likely take over. Now, Biden on July 8th, when asked directly at a news conference, said, aren't you worried that the Taliban could take? No chance, not going to happen. No way. 300,000 members of the Afghan armed forces, 75,000 Taliban. Don't you think common sense dictates let's get all Americans and embassy personnel out? Let's coordinate with our allies, many of whom, of course, are moochers. They're freeloaders. They don't pay their fair share. Looking at you, Deutschland, Germany. Angela Merkel. Wouldn't it make sense to coordinate and tell everyone this is how it's going to be? We're going to pull out. 
But before we do, we want all your expats, all your citizens, all the employees working at your embassies and diplomatic attaches, we want them out. Then the second step is we're going to make sure that we take all of our Black Hawk helicopters, all of our munitions, all of our advanced weaponry. If you think that the Afghan army can't hold against the Taliban, why on earth wouldn't you do that? And lastly, maybe you look and say, we're going to keep Bagram Air Force Base. We're going to keep that. That's a good place for us to have. We don't have to have a full complement. We can bring in some private contractors, but we'll keep a very small presence there, enough to defend it if necessary. Then you can withdraw the majority of the troops. And remember, there are only 2,500 American troops. Actually, in terms of troops, there were less than that. There were ancillary personnel as well. Now, I didn't realize there were just 2,500. Trump had gotten them down from 20,000 to 2,500, and yet 2,500 is keeping the peace there, keeping everything at a stalemate position. Fine. So if Biden is told by his advisors, by his security team, national security advisor team, the NSC, told by the generals, told by all those in the know, and he defies them anyway, it would seem to me that as a dereliction of duty, that would be an impeachable offense. After all, Trump had a fine, perfectly good conversation with the president of Ukraine. Oh, he said something we don't like. That sack of garbage, Alexander Vindman, that enemy of America, that Benedict Arnold, finds some nonsensical item we can impeach. Well, if we're looking at that as the standard, this is the real standard where Biden basically strands. Who knows how many Americans? There some say 14,000, some say 20,000, some say 30,000, no matter how many. Americans are screwed. And then when Americans go to register of their presence in Afghanistan, they receive an email back. Let me find this here. It is just so blatantly outrageous. Essentially what the letter said was, make your way to the airport. That's exactly what it said. Make your way to the airport. However, we cannot guarantee your safety and security. Nothing like American weakness. I don't think America has been weaker in its history, even during the Civil War. Brainless Biden. I don't mean to harp on, make fun of Biden. On certain things I do. Come on, man. Come on, man. Look, as my father used to say, Joey, we can do anything with the United States of America. There are certain things you like to pick on. I'm not going to pick on him for his mental decline. I don't wish that on anyone. Even my worst Democrat enemies. But it's very clear. Although the Libstream media wanted to hide it and protect him the last year and a half during the campaign... And now during his first eight months of the presidency, it is very clear to anyone. Brainless Biden has serious cognitive difficulties. Nothing to make fun of. Nothing to to snicker at. We now have a president who doesn't have the mental capability of running this country. 25th Amendment. Oh, but here's the problem. You think Kamala Harris is any better? She's another dipshit. Dem dipshit. 
What took place? Total embarrassment. Our allies, Australia, all these countries, Germany, England, France, all these countries that said, ah, we oui, we oui, great to have you back, Mr. President Biden. Great to have America back on the stage so we can control you once again. You know, Angela Merkel, Yavol, great to have you back, President Biden. We didn't like President Trump because he was strong. He made us pay our fair share. He didn't let us be weak deadbeats. That's the fact. 100% truth. Why didn't the EU and some other allies like President Trump? They may not have liked him. They respected him. Let's, let's make a, a clear differentiation. They didn't like him, but they sure as hell respected him and didn't play any games with him. Why didn't they like him? Because President Trump called them on something that every other American president going back 50 years has never done. Called them out for not paying their fair share of the NATO alliance expenses. By treaty, by agreement, every NATO country must spend 2% of their GDP on defense and on NATO combined. United States does. Poland does. There's about seven countries that do. Who doesn't? Germany, top of the list. The same Germany that wants NATO and the United States to defend them from the Soviet Union. Let's face it, Russia's the Soviet Union. You can call it Russia. It's the Soviet Union. Still commie bastards. They want the protection of NATO and the United States and the other allies against the Soviet Union, yet they're more than eager to rely on a pipeline from the Soviet Union to Germany, Nord Stream 2, to get their natural gas and their oil. Now think about this for a second. You are putting your economy in the hands of your Number one uh, uh, enemy, the Soviet Union, Russia. You are part of NATO to protect Europe from the Soviet Union slash Russia. And what do you do? You go make a deal with your enemy that could destroy you, and yet you have the unmitigated gall to say, well, we'll get up to our 2% by like 2045. Please, Trump called them out for what they are. A bunch of freeloader moochers that are useless. Germany is a wealthy country. Buck up. Pony up, buttercups. But looking at Europe now, our allies, now they look at America as weak. They look at Biden. They had so much, oh, they were so thrilled to welcome him on the stage. Why? Because they could control him. But see, what happens is you may think that in the short term that's great. In the long term, what took place in Afghanistan and what's taking place is exactly why America needs a strong president, a president that puts America first, but also tells our allies this is how it's going to be. And I can assure you that Trump would have been very blunt with the allies and saying this is how we're going to go out, we're going to leave orderly. He was on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News last night. President Trump was fantastic. Now, he had a very big swoop, I must say. Sergeant Steve, did you catch President Trump last night on Hannity? Uh, just a little bit of it. I saw some clips online. Did you notice the large swoop kind of on the left side? He had a very big swoop, a new coiffure with a big swoop. I mean, it almost looked like he had a giant plate on his head. I missed that part. You missed it. It was big. But nonetheless, hey, listen, I'll take 10 swoops compared to what we have now. <laughs> I mean, believe me, I'll take a guy with a bad toupee or a bad rug over what we have now. 
Let's see. Bad rug versus bad plugs. Take your pick. But I will tell you that President Trump was fantastic last night. He was right on with all these, these the, uh, Jake Sullivan, Jake the Snake Sullivan. Yale graduate. You know, here's the one thing that I always tell. I know a lot of people that graduated from Ivy League schools, and I'm just telling you a fact. They're all good schools. What I have found is most people from the Ivy League, many, not most, many, they're very book smart. But if you ask them, when do you cross the street? When the light is green or the light is red, they have to say, well, let me look at a book. I'm not sure. They have no common sense street smarts. They're very book smart. They can take tests and they'll ace those tests. But in terms of common sense, wisdom, street smarts, forget it. Jake Sullivan, perfect example. National security advisor. Guy looks like he hasn't even had his bar mitzvah yet. Weak, inept, screams beta over his big forehead. When he was asked yesterday some very important questions by the Libstream media. By the way, the Libstream media, they're turning on Biden. They're turning on their boy, Joey. Even CNN's Don Lululemon is turning on him, or has turned on him. Jake Tapper, he's turned. They're all turning. The last, the last of the Mohicans are BS DNC. They're the last ones that still are trying to give Biden the whatever minuscule benefit of the doubt they can. Everybody else, they've all turned on him. They have turned on Biden. But when he was asked questions, he couldn't even answer these questions. Now, here's a guy from Yale, very educated, holds a law degree. And yet, when it comes to common sense saying, well, what, can you guarantee that all Americans are going to get out? Well, uh, I can't guarantee anything. We're doing the best we can. We are projecting massive weakness. General George S. Patton, the greatest general in American history, maybe world history. General Patton would be mortified, absolutely mortified at the weakness, not only of the commander-in-chief, but of our generals. Where's Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, former general in charge of Central Command? Where has he been? Where's uh, General Mark Milley Mouse, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Where's he been the last four or five days? They're all in witness protection. They're all hiding. They can't stand the heat. Instead of coming up and saying, I'm tendering my resignation, the president blatantly ignored what we had to say. He has caused massive chaos and a security situation. And when this is done, I'm resigning. I'm done. I'm finished. By the way, how many times did we see these clown-ass, ass-clown generals and the defense secretaries quitting on Trump because they disagreed with President Trump? They didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that President Trump was calling them out and calling out the military-industrial complex for what they all are, slimeballs. you got to remember one thing. The military-industrial complex loves perpetual wars. Why? Because you need more bullets, you need more ammo, you need more tanks, you need more planes, you need more firepower, you need more drones, you need more missiles. They would love us to be in 20 conflicts around the world. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. President Dwight Eisenhower, very famous speech before he left office and President Kennedy assumed the presidency. 
Very famous speech. Now, this is a man who was the Supreme Allied Commander for the Allied Forces in World War II. This is a man that spent his life in the military, not only defending, but when necessary, fighting for this country and for the world against the Nazis and the Japanese and all the other enemies of America. Here's a guy that after eight years, two terms as president, says, beware of the burgeoning military-industrial complex. A military-industrial complex that will seek to get America into excursions around the world. Well, it didn't take too long for the United States to get into Vietnam, did it? Another perpetual war where the Allied, the, the military-industrial complex were more than thrilled to take orders from the Pentagon. Get those sales orders. Write them up. Oh, another two planes lost? Great. we got to build two more at, you know, $100 million or $150 million a pop. All these generals had no problem standing up to Trump and saying, that's it, we're done. But yet all these generals have no issues whatsoever with Biden. It is astonishing to me the lack of intestinal fortitude, the lack of strength, the lack of alpha maleness to have a set of titanium balls and say to America, I disagreed. The intelligence we gave the commander-in-chief differs from what he acted upon. When we get our Americans out, I'm tendering my resignation. That's it. Have some standards. Have a standard and say I'm sticking to it. Have self-respect. Instead, these guys are all going to stay in witness protection, hide, try to duck, avoid the, uh, the flack, and try to get reappointed, especially Mark Milley. He's up for another two-year appointment, I believe, late this year or early next year. So while our military is more interested in being woke and try to finding the, what, 300 possible members of the military, the armed forces, that may have some racist tendencies... And they're worried about climate change as the biggest threat to, to the United States and our defense. Afghanistan goes to shit in a matter of hours. Fraudulent elections have consequences. Rasmussen came out with new polling information. Trump would be, look, Trump won the election. Let's, let's put that out there, even though social media will deplatform you, they will censor you. I found it interesting that when the Taliban was asked a question about giving rights to women and freedom of speech and, and, and all sorts of things related to that during their takeover, the spokesperson for the Taliban said, well, in terms of freedom of speech, you should look in your own country, in the United States, at Facebook and Twitter, and all the other social media platforms that are censoring the president, former president of the United States, that are, uh, that, are, that are censoring members of the American government, that are censoring journalists, that are censoring people, Americans that have opinions, you should go ask them. Touche. Boom. The social media platforms are complicit in the weakness of America because they're afraid of free speech. How pathetic is that? That was the hallmark and is the hallmark of the United States. You can disagree. You can believe. You can spew whatever you want. You can't spew fire in a crowded theater, but you can spew if you want on the street corner. I think 
The Democrats lied and cheated in the election. I think there was fraud. If you want to say, I'm not going to take the vaccine because I'm not sure of the long-term effects, you should be able to say that too. Now, I'm not anti-vaxxer. I took the vaccine. Would I take a third booster right now? I'm leaning towards not taking that. I'll get into that in another bold alpha edition. You should be able to say that. That is protected under the First Amendment of our Constitution. Yet, the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, they've taken it upon themselves to enforce what they deem to be appropriate speech under the First Amendment. Now, when you deplatform, and they deplatformed Trump while he was president, when the social media companies did that, very dangerous precedent. Yet, the mullahs of Iran, the Taliban, they all had social media accounts calling for the destruction of America, the destruction of Israel, the destruction of this, the destruction of that. But that's okay. You know who the enemies of America in addition to the Taliban and the, the, the jihadist terrorists are? Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and Jack Dorsey at Twitter. They are absolute certified enemies of America. Now, I have no problem if somebody says, on my Facebook or Twitter, I'm going to threaten to kill someone. That is over-the-line speech. Nobody has an issue with that. But by saying, I believe the election was fraudulent, and there should be a recount, there should be an audit, things are coming out now that are being released, the machines, this, whatever. That is absolutely allowable free speech, yet censored by social media, and the Taliban and our enemies now using it against America. Freedom of speech was a strength of this country. Whether you agreed or disagreed, we always believed in this country, no problem. Make your argument, defend your argument, debate the argument. We're all Americans. When we're done, fine. We can agree, we can disagree, that's that's all. But what has happened is we have raised a generation of wussified, beta, pussy Americans. The younger generation, the 18s, 20s, even into the 30s, they are afraid of speech. They look at speech as a weapon. That if you say to somebody, I disagree with you on that, and I favor this, this, and this, and here's why, they look at that as a personal attack, and they believe speech should be suppressed. Very dangerous. It is pathetic. And why are they so soft? Starts at home. It starts in the schools at a young age, grade school, middle school, high school, college, all these Marxist, socialist professors, teachers that hate America. And they are now teaching kids that if somebody tells you something you don't like, that's an attack. We can't have that. We have to all sing Kumbaya and hold hands, and we have to be happy together. How pathetic that speech is viewed in the same manner as a gun or a knife or, for that matter, an atom bomb, a nuclear bomb. Oh, it's going to hurt us. He said that he likes President Trump and that he believes in America first. Oh, I need to go to my safe space. I'm so afraid. It's scary. Help me. I'm calling the police. It sounds laughable, but this is what is happening all across the country, and we're seeing it over and over. What do socialists and Marxists and communists do? They use speech suppression 
to target the enemy. That's exactly what is happening today. But going back to the Rasmussen report, very telling. A slew of new polls have come out. Biden's support dropping like a radioactive lead brick. If the election were held today, voters would pick Donald Trump over brainless Biden 43 to 37, a six-point margin. I believe it would probably be more. I think President Trump and the Electoral College, it would be a landslide. wouldn't even be close. And we know that in the election last fall, President Trump did win. He won Pennsylvania. He won Wisconsin. He won Arizona. He won Georgia. And he won Michigan. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. Ohio, Sergeant Steve, you are a native Ohioan, even though you root for the Michigan Wolverines. Nobody can know in Ohio can figure that one out, Sergeant Steve. Do they even let you back in Ohio these days? Uh, I haven't tried in a while, but okay, that's good. <laughs> Especially wearing your Michigan Wolverine yes. gear. I did but, live. I did live in Ann Arbor as a kid. That's why I'm. That's right. okay. That's right. That's right. You yeah. did live in Ann Arbor. Okay, so that makes sense. But you spent most of your growing up years, your, your young years, in Ohio. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so would you agree that Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, all similar demographic-wise? Yes. Blue collar, some of the cities are uh, vote blue, the suburbs vote red, rural areas vote red. Very similar in terms of you look at Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. Ohio, Pennsylvania. Yes, you have white collar, but it's always that blue collar. You know, I think of Cleveland. You think of, uh, to me, where I grew up, Buffalo. Blue collar mentality. You think of Pittsburgh. Blue collar type cities. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. If you carry Ohio... And the way President Trump carried Ohio so big, logic dictates, okay, one Ohio most likely won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, and Michigan. All very similar states. I mean, you could deduce that, would you not? Uh, Michigan's always been bluer than Ohio. Uh, It has. So just because you carry Ohio doesn't mean you'll carry Michigan as well. Um, Michigan will be closer if you carry Ohio. Well, he, he carried yeah. Ohio big. It yes. wasn't close. Yeah, he did. I mean, it was, that was called early in the evening. There is no doubt about it, especially when you look at the manufacturing base. And what's interesting is a lot, and I think you'd agree with this, that even though the unions all endorse Biden, the workers themselves, the union workers themselves were very pro-Trump. Why? Because Trump believed in America first, wasn't a globalist, wanted to bring manufacturing back. So if you take a look at many of the workers, even though their unions endorsed Biden, they mm-hmm. didn't listen, they didn't care. And when you look at Pennsylvania with the drilling, with, with the significance of oil, all those states are just very, very similar. You know, there are nuances and so on, but very similar. But if you look at all those states, I think it was only if President Trump would have, I think it was if he got Pennsylvania, Michigan, or if he got Georgia, uh, Arizona, and what's the other one? Uh, Wisconsin, I think he wins. I mean, he, he would have won. The whole thing was just was just rigged. But if the election were held today, without any question, it would be a landslide in the Electoral College. And I think President Trump very likely could come very close in the popular vote. Even though you're looking, and look, California, New York, people are pissed about the COVID restrictions. But nonetheless, Trump would win today. 
No ifs, ands, or buts. And so fraudulent elections have consequences. Let's take a look at those consequences. The bungled leaving from Afghanistan, exit from Afghanistan, is one of many. Let's start with the southern border, shall we? We're on pace to allow 2.5 million illegal aliens into this country over Biden's first 12 months in office. This month, or last month in July, I think there are 240,000 or 230,000 illegal aliens that crossed. It's a mess. We didn't have that problem when President Trump was in office. And he got the Mexicans. Everyone says, well, Mexico said they'd build a wall. Well, he got the Mexicans to put, I don't know how many, 50,000 troops to prevent illegals coming into the United States. So that's the second thing, the massive illegal immigration. Who's that going to hurt? It's going to hurt American workers. It's going to hurt the American taxpayer. We're going to have to pay for all these people coming in. Third, crime. Crime is rampant. Rasmussen Poll just released this week. Over 70% of Americans view crime as a huge problem. Rising everywhere. New York City, third world country. Los Angeles, third world. Portland, third world. Go to Atlanta, Third world, everywhere you go, crime is rising. I find it amazing that we have people who peacefully walked into the Capitol when security forces said, yeah, the doors are open, come on in. Didn't do anything. They were charged with, I think, like negligent trespass or some bullshit charge like that. They're still sitting in jail without bail. Yet we're seeing people that are accused of violent crimes, felony violent crimes being let out on no bail in cities across the country. I find that to be not only amazing, but tremendously disturbing. Inflation. Let's take a look at another issue. When President Trump left office, gas was what? A seventy-eight, a dollar eighty a gallon? Somewhere along those lines. Sergeant Steve, the last time I, I uh, paid for gas, I think I was at Costco. And I believe I paid like two eighty seven a gallon. What what have you seen around lately? I just filled up yesterday. I think it was two eighty nine. Two eighty nine. Now Florida is one of the cheaper states. You go to California at a buck, a buck and a half. So you're looking now at where gas was a buck eighty a gallon. Now you're looking at pushing three. Average across the country is probably over three. Massive inflation in terms of fuel. Why? Well, President Biden cuts the Keystone Pipeline. Well, we can't have that because carbon emissions, that's going to be terrible. We need to go to an all-electric vehicle. We need to go to zero emissions in the next five years. Yet, he approves the Nord Stream 2 pipeline between Russia, the Soviet Union, and Germany. So Germany is getting fuel now, natural gas, or will natural gas, and oil, crude oil, from the enemy that NATO the United States and all the other European countries are paying to protect European countries, including Germany, from. Go look at the logic on that. He approves that, but kills a very large, important pipeline. Then he says, no more drilling on federal lands. We're going to kill that. So we go from energy independence under President Trump to less than eight months later, energy dependence on the world. And what does Biden do last week? like a wussified beta groveling, asks OPEC, 
and Saudi Arabia and all the other OPEC nations to pump more gas so the price will come down. We are begging other countries when we had energy dependence, independence just eight months ago and this fantasy that everybody's going to drive in an electrified vehicle. Well, where the hell do you think the power is going to come from that? Do you know that China has built, I think, 20 nuclear plants because they want to convert to more electrified vehicles? But to do it, you need more power generation. Well, nobody wants coal. They don't want natural gas. Windmills aren't going to do it. Can't have hydro. There's not enough here in the, in the United States. So what's next? Nuclear. When was the last time a nuclear plant was built in the United States? 40 years ago. That ain't going to happen, so you tell me. We're going to go to all these electrified vehicles. We don't have a grid that can support it, and we don't have power generation stations that can recharge all these batteries every night. So if you look at all these items, Americans are saying, what in the hell is going on? I said on Bold Alpha and the, and the Brother Cigar Dave Show podcast, when Biden was elected, I said the United States would go to shit, would get destroyed within a year. I was wrong. It was within six months. Massive inflation. And by the way, the Fed isn't doing anybody any favors keeping interest rates artificially low. We are going to have what is called stagflation. Stagnant growth, we're already seeing it. We saw, uh, just released this, this month, consumer spending down in July, I think one and a quarter percent. We're seeing consumer sentiment down. And yet we're going to have massive inflation that continues. You get stagnant economy with massive inflation. That's called stagflation. That is the worst of all the potential scenarios for an American economy or any economy. So what happens? Massive unemployment. You've got to raise interest rates back very high. You remember in the 80s, 20%, 22%, that was the only way that inflation could be broken, and then it was a slow grind back to a growing economy. So we've got inflation, stagnant economy, no longer energy independent, massive crime. We have weakness being perceived around the world, a southern border where we're letting illegal aliens and most likely terrorists from around the world. This country has gone to shit in the eight months that brainless Biden has been president and commander-in-chief. Fraudulent elections have consequences. And to the Libstream media that propped up a dead candidate, literally the guy is dead. He doesn't know where he is. They propped him up, and now they're turning against him, and they are reaping what they sowed. And you know who gets screwed? The American people. We are getting screwed. And now China and Russia are laughing at us. China will invade Taiwan, mark my words, within the next year. It will happen. Is Biden going to do anything? Please. He's feckless. He's hiding at Camp David. He wasn't even in the Situation Room in Camp David with anyone else. Now he's back in the White House. He's going to deliver an address this afternoon to talk about, uh, what did I hear? Not about Afghanistan. He's to- oh, he's talking about the third shot, the third injection now. Great. And then maybe when he's done with that, he'll fly back to Camp David to take a three-day nap. China will invade Taiwan, and the United States of America will do nothing under this commander-in-chief. Now, under Trump, they didn't dare say boo. 
The Taliban didn't. Remember when the Taliban screwed around? What did President Trump do? He dropped the mother of all bombs. Said, okay, that's it. Dropped it, killed a whole bunch of people and their families. They didn't do a damn thing after that because they knew President Trump wasn't screwing around. When he told you something, he meant it. Not like Barack Obama that said, I'm drawing a line in the sand and never did anything. Trump draws a line in the sand, he's coming after you. You can be assured of that. America first, strong, alpha leader. That is what this country needs. And no matter what happens, even if Biden is impeached tomorrow or Biden is, is declared under the 25th Amendment to be incapable of executing the, uh, the duties of the office, we have Kuki Kamala. Good luck there. And then who's third in line if she goes? Nancy Pelosi. Good effing luck. This country is screwed at least until the 2022 elections, and the Republicans, unless they screw it up, are going to win massive landslides in the House and in the Senate. Count on it. And in 2024, on Hannity last night, President Trump said, I can't announce anything because of these crazy arcane campaign finance laws, but all I will tell you is Americans are going to be very, very happy. Let me translate. President Trump is running. He will decimate the Republican. Nobody else will touch him. You can say, well, maybe Ron DeSantis of Florida. DeSantis isn't that stupid. DeSantis became governor solely because of President Trump. Solely. He endorsed his candidacy in the primary when Adam Putnam, who's a very strong, well-known statewide candidate, he was the Secretary of Agriculture, well-known in Florida, was going to cruise to the Republican nomination until Trump tweeted out that DeSantis would be a great governor. And then when President Trump campaigned for DeSantis, not only in the primary and the general, and brought some of his people down to take over DeSantis's floundering campaign, boom, DeSantis becomes governor. Narrowly, but he becomes governor. And now he's very popular. He'll win big. DeSantis would not beat Trump in a primary if it were head-to-head. But what I do see is President Trump running on the top of the ticket, DeSantis as the VP candidate. Or DeSantis says, no, I'll stay in Florida because I'll still have two years to go after you know, uh, my term ends, or after when President Trump is in office, when he gets reelected in 2024. By 2026, DeSantis will have left Florida. Then he can focus solely on campaigning without the restrictions of being the vice president. Who knows? But nonetheless, President Trump is going to run, and Americans will flock to him after what they have seen. Americans, 10% of Democrats that were polled asked, would you vote for Biden again, or would you switch your vote? 10% of Democrats, I would switch my vote. 10% doesn't sound like a huge margin. It is a humongous margin. Fraudulent elections have consequences. We're living with it now. I never thought in my wildest dreams America would look so weak, so pathetic, and it emulates the weak, pussified beta male that is running the show at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If you are looking to add a full-flavored cigar to your portfolio of cigars to enjoy, I've got the perfect selection for you. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series. It is loaded with Nicaraguan leaf from the renowned Aganorsa Farms in Nicaragua. The Gurkha Nicaraguan series features a Corojo 99 Nicaraguan wrapper, dual Corojo 99 binders, 
and Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 long fillers. The result, a super full-flavored cigar with loads of pepper, loads of spice, very rich, while maintaining absolute smoothness the entire time. Try the Gurkha Nicaraguan series. Add it to your portfolio. Add it to your humidor. You will be in for a super Nicaraguan Puro Cigar Treat. Gurkha, the world's finest cigars. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Do you have plans to visit New York City? If you do, change them for several reasons. One, New York City has become a third world country. Think about this for a second. There were more New Yorkers and Chicagoans that were killed last weekend than American troops, I think, in Afghanistan, I believe the last four years or five years, maybe longer. I think we had one American that was killed, and that took place in February of 2020, over a year and a half ago. New York has become a third world dump. Cigar Sister Lynn resided in New York City for many, many years. She was in the city not that long ago. She didn't resemble, her neighborhood didn't resemble, said New York bears no resemblance to what I remember. It's dirty. People are afraid of crime. Broad daylight, people. Did you see there was a guy getting money out of an ATM? Broad daylight, a guy with a hatchet, an axe, comes and starts attacking him, and then he started attacking apparently other windshields or other cars. They ended up catching this guy middle of the day. We're seeing attacks, unprovoked attacks all over the place in New York. It is a dump. That's what happens when you have a socialist, communist sympathizer in Bill Big Bird de Blasio running the show. And it's getting even worse. Yesterday, Tuesday, August 17th, if you would like to enjoy indoor dining at a restaurant, if you would like to work out at your fitness club, if you would like to see a movie, go to a nightclub, go to a billiard hall, go to a concert hall, go anywhere indoors, you must have proof of vaccination. Does this sound like Nazi Germany, the SS? Show me your papers, please. They restricted access to many venues to Jews who had to show their papers. Shades of Nazi Germany taking place in 2021. You have to show ID, and you have to show your vaccine. Your va- either there's the uh, Excelsior Pass that shows you've been vaccinated, your vaccine card, or some other proof of vaccination. Aren't the Democrats the party that have been screaming about Voter ID, showing that any voter ID laws where voters have to show ID before casting a vote as being voter suppression, as being racist. But yet, these same Democrats have no problem saying, we need your ID and we need your vaccination papers in order to attend a show, a movie, work out at your gym, or eat at a restaurant. So now what you're doing is you are creating a city full of Gestapo agents, the restaurant hostesses, the gym attendants, the movie theater ticket takers. We need your vaccination papers, please. Only after you show ID and your vaccine card do you get in the door. 
or you can use one of the two mobile apps that stores your information. Do I want the government having my information on an app? Do I want them to be able to track everywhere I'm going? Because that's exactly what they can do if you put any government app on your phone. 56% of all New Yorkers are fully vaccinated. Just under 38% are unvaccinated. The majority of unvaccinated are black, young black, and Hispanics. Now, the Democrat Party is, aren't they the party of, Demo- of, of blacks and Hispanics and the minorities? Yet, who would this affect? This would affect, in many instances, blacks and Hispanics. So you would essentially be creating segregation once again in this country by saying, I'm sorry, young black man, young Hispanic woman, you can't enter this gym or this movie theater or this restaurant because you don't have your vaccination papers. You are not vaccinated. This is outrageous. It's just as outrageous as offering money for people to take the vaccine. We'll give you $100. We'll give you $500. We'll enter you into a lottery. If you don't want to take the vaccine, so be it. I'm not anti-vax. I took the vaccine. Sergeant Steve, you took the vaccine too. Correct. Right. They didn't pay you 100 bucks or 1000 bucks or get you in a lottery. I didn't get that. I took it because I said, I think it's the right thing to do. Now, let me ask you, what is your, what is your thought on a third vaccine booster? I want to see how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm not eligible for several more months, so got time to, As, to see how it does. I mean, I know in Israel it's been a five month booster, um, and I'd like to see how those results go. Yeah, they're talking about eight months here, so I wouldn't yes. be eligible anyway till probably I think December, January. But I'm inclined right now to wait and see. I'm not going to run out and get a third booster. I also believe, as you know, that we do have therapeutics. We have prophylactic that that can be taken, quercetin and zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D. And at the first sign that you have the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, the first sniffle, the first sneeze, the first inkling of a sore throat, you go to your doctor. Unfortunately, many doctors won't treat you. They'll tell you just to go to the hospital when it gets worse. But you tell your doctor, and you can look it up, do a search, Zelenko Protocol. You can tell your doctor, I want hydroxychloroquine in states that they can prescribe it. I want zinc. Zinc you can get over the counter. Vitamin C, vitamin D you should already be taking. You want an anti-inflammatory and you want azithromycin or Zithromax. I've gone over it many times why you need those things. We know that zinc is an effective antiviral. It is a virus killer. I'm staying on quercetin, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D in perpetuity. Why? Got to help against the common cold, help against the flu, even though I do take a flu shot every year. We know that zinc is a virus killer. It's the bullet. But you need the gun to shoot it into the cell, to get through the cell. You need a zinc ionophore. Quercetin, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, they're all ionophores to get the zinc into the cell. So I'm, I'm covered on a, on a prophylactic protocol. I am not rushing to go out and get the third vaccine. But think about this for a second. If I decided, yes, I will get the third vaccine, the, the booster, and I haven't decided that, I want to see more research. Remember, RNA, mRNA vaccines are still relatively new. We don't necessarily know the long-term effects. But think about this for a second. 
If I was going to take it, why wouldn't I just wait and say, hey, let me wait till I get a $500 bonus or a hundred bucks or a thousand? That's what they were doing to all these people. They were bribing people. It's always the Democrats' idea to throw money at it. Let's throw money. Give them a hundred bucks. Give them a five. Look, if you don't want to take it for your own health, then don't. Period. But to throw money at somebody to say, hey, we'll incentivize you. We'll, we'll, we'll put you in a lottery. We'll give you a hundred bucks or five hundred bucks, whatever. And speaking of money, violations of the new rules for enforcing the requirement of vaccines will result in a $1,000 fine if not followed, $2,000 for the second violation, and $5,000 fine for successive violations. That's on the business owner. So think about this for a second. Now all of a sudden, businesses haven't had it tough enough the last year and a quarter, year and a half. Now they're getting back on their feet. And now if for whatever reason somebody gives a fraudulent vaccine card or one of a party of 10 doesn't get screened and you have some clipboard-toting inspector saying, ah, I saw one person go through, $1,000 violation. New York City is screwing the businesses, the businesses in which they rely upon sales taxes to fund their budgets, the New York City budgets, the bloated budgets. There is a war. Democrats have a war against businesses. And if there ever was another lockdown, here's what I would tell you. And here's what I would tell every American. Who got screwed in the last, over the last year and a half on the lockdowns? It wasn't the big box stores. It wasn't Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Costco. It was the mom and pops that they made shut down. It was the local entrepreneurs, the local business owners. So if there is another lockdown... What I would say is this go-around, Costco, Home Depot, Lowe's, you're all going to be shut. The only businesses that will remain essential are locally owned mom-and-pop type of stores. Watch the absolute lobbying that goes on by all these major retailers. The rich got richer, the poor got poorer. Where I am located, classified clandestine location. Took a drive yesterday. A street where I have ridden by numerous times. A third of the business storefronts closed. Closed. Boarded up. They had thriving businesses, restaurants, athletic clubs. Closed. Done. Nothing is there. Gone. But who, who did well? Look at Costco. Their stock has gone through the roof, reporting record earnings. Amazon's done great. Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, all the big box stores going through the roof. Again, the big got bigger, the rich got richer, and the mom and pops, the locally owned businesses got shafted. And you know who's going to get shafted if there are violations against businesses? It's not going to be the Costco's or the Home Depot's. It's going to be the small, locally owned and operated restaurants, the delis, the bodegas, the, the local restaurants. It's not going to be the big chain restaurants. Eh, 1000 fine, no problem. They'll sell a couple of more Big Macs, you know, over the course of a week. No problem. But what is taking place in New York is so reminiscent of Nazi Germany that it is chilling and frightening. So businesses in New York City, as of yesterday, required to ask patrons and employees for proof of vaccination. 
These are the businesses that are going to be required to ask for that proof. Restaurants, bakeries, coffee shops, catering halls, cafeterias, event spaces, and banquet rooms, bars and nightclubs, dining spaces in grocery stores, fast food restaurants, movie and performing arts theaters, live music and concert venues, museums, exhibition halls and galleries, aquariums and zoos, sports arenas and stadiums, convention centers, bowling alleys, pool halls, game centers, arcades, gyms, fitness centers, workout classes and pools, dance studios, casinos, adult entertainment venues. Ladies and gentlemen, before you enter the main stage and you want to see Mandy and Brandy, we need to see their vaccination passports. That's what it's going to be like. And if you don't show it, a thousand bucks for the first violation, two thousand bucks to the business for the second, and five grand for all successive violations. And de Blasio went on saying, hey, it's easy. Don't worry about it. You can download the app. You can just show it. This will be safe for everybody. There is no proof that showing somebody has vaccination, has been vaccinated, and that there's not going to be a spread of the Wuhan virus at a restaurant. There's, there's no proof of that. In fact, San Francisco has had strict mask requirement mandates for the last month, six weeks. Their cases of the Wuhan virus have spiked. Spiked! But they all have to wear masks. Many of them, most of them are vaccinated. So there's no correlation, it seems to me, especially with these garbage masks that most everybody wears. Just go on the prophylactic protocol. If you're vaccinated, take your quercetin, take your zinc, take your vitamin C, take your vitamin D3, and if, God forbid, you get a sniffle, you get a sore throat, you get a sneeze, you get an ache, you get a pain, you get fatigue, you call your doctor immediately and you tell him you want to go on the Zelenko protocol and you want the hydroxychloroquine to add to your zinc, vitamin C, and D3. You want azithromycin or Zithromax for seven days. And you want an anti-inflammatory, a steroidal anti-inflammatory for five to seven days. You tell him you want to follow him. If he doesn't do it, find a doctor that will. Because there are doctors that will. Unfortunately, the medical profession has not gotten guidance from the CDC, from phony Fauci, from the AMA, from anybody saying, hey, this is an effective treatment we have found to work. Even though thousands of doctors across the country have been providing and have been ordering that regimen when people come down with the Wuhan virus at the first sign, because you only have five to six days until the viral load explodes. You want to Basically, before that viral, uh, uh, let me put it to you in very simple terms. You are frying eggs, or you're frying something, bacon, whatever it is in your kitchen, okay? The frying pan catches on fire. You grab your little fire extinguisher that you have in the kitchen, two squirts, boom, done. Now, if you wait 15 minutes for that thing to keep going and roaring and then ignite something else in your kitchen and then it goes to your your living room and your dining room the next thing you know you got a three alarm fire you don't want a three alarm fire in your body you want that small little bacon grease fire that's in your little frying pan so that as soon as it comes you see that fire you sense that fire bam hydroxychloroquine zinc azithromycin Steroidal anti-inflammatory in addition to the vitamin C and vitamin D3. We could eliminate the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. 
But we're not. Because doctors are being fed poor information. And Fauci now is touting a brand new drug. Wait a minute. Let me find this. Brand new drug. I got to find this. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going to find this. I know I have it right here. Okay, so the treatment that I gave you is about 50 bucks for the week. It's not a very expensive treatment. Very, very inexpensive. 50 bucks. And in fact, most of your, most all insurance companies, because they're generic drugs, will cover 100% of it. There'll be zero copay. You'll have to buy your zinc and your vitamin Z and D3. That's, that's over the counter. That's not expensive. You're talking for the whole treatment, 50 to 70 bucks. And probably closer to 20 bucks because your insurance will cover 100% with zero copay. Well, Eli Lilly's monoclonal antibody, Bamlanivimab, is now being prescribed more often. In fact, Governor, a Texas Governor Abbott, who contracted the Wuhan virus, was put on the monoclonal antibody, which essentially is the Bamlanivimab from Eli Lilly. Now, what is the cost of Bamlanivimab? Is it $50 for the week or for the treatment? Is it $100? To what? Sergeant Steve, take a guess. For a vial of the treatment, I think you get a vial, and I think it's like two or three treatments within it that you get. What do you think a vial of the Eli Lilly Bamlanivimab monoclonal antibody costs? Let's say $300. $300. Well, you would be really, really off. It is... Four times that, $1,250 per vial. Follow the money. Is there any surprise that Fauci and all Big Pharma, they're all pushing all these new experimental therapeutics when we know we have treatment that will cost you 50 to 70 bucks, in fact, probably 20 bucks because you just buy the vitamins and the zinc. Your insurance company will cover everything else. We know we have a treatment that works, but the key is... You've got to hit it at the first sign of infection. And if you don't feel great and you say, okay, I better go get a test immediately, get that test. And if they tell you it's going to be more than two days to get that test result back or it's going to be five or six, screw it. Go to your doctor and say, this is what I want. I want the Zelenko protocol. Listen to me now. Hear me later, as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say. I am doing you a favor. Most doctors have not provide, don't have the information and research that I am providing you. Take control. You have to be your own advocate, your best advocate for your health-related matters. Listen to me now. Hear me later. Tell your doctor you want the Zelenko protocol. And one other thing, don't go to New York City, a third-world country where now... The 21st century version of the Nazi SS is out in full force in New York City under socialist comrade Bill Big Bird de Blasio. For six decades, Camacho has been working hard to build the best damn cigars around, perfecting, preserving the authentic Corojo seed that's the foundation 
of the Camacho blends. They talk about strength and character, and that is in Camacho's DNA. And so is the Camacho Corojo Cigar. Complex, flavorful, no compromises. It is bold, it is rich, it is tasty. And it's built using wrapper, binder, and filler that is grown and harvested in the legendary Hamastron Valley in Honduras. A fifth priming wrapper, deep, dark, rich, three primings in the filler. What you get is a cigar strikingly dark in appearance. Camacho Corojo makes a statement with intensity that's backed up by cedar and earthy notes. A bold experience for those that defy the status quo. Camacho, strength and character. It's in our DNA. Finally, I am pleased to report, to end on a happy note, that I have been becoming quite the pitmaster. But last weekend, I decided I was going to smoke a brisket. I was going to try several new techniques, several variations, and give it a go on my Camp Chef pellet smoker. And I'm pleased to report, I've probably smoked now, I would say, uh, 40 briskets in eight months. I would say that, no, I would say I know for sure, the brisket that I smoked on Saturday, the best ever, and it didn't take a ton of time. Now, let me give you some of my secrets. First, went to Costco. I got a full USDA Prime Packer brisket. Now, talk about inflation. When I bought my pellet smoker last Thanksgiving, one of the first things I did, rushed out and bought a brisket. Prime brisket at Publix, a full Packer brisket, like one of those 17, 18 pounders. You got to trim a lot of fat off of it, and I learned. That's the other thing. First time I did a brisket, I didn't know what I was doing trimming. By about the third one, I really improved. Now I'm an expert, and I trim aggressively. I get the big deckle of fat. I get rid of a lot of that. I get underneath. I get the silver skin. I get around the sides. I trim underneath where the fat cap is. You know, it may have a half inch of fat. I want to trim that down significantly to about an eighth of an inch. So for me, I can start with a 16, 17-pound brisket. By the time I'm done with it, it's going to be maybe 10, 11 pounds. Very aggressive. But I paid $1.99 a pound last up until around the beginning of the year. Then around late February, it went up to $2.49 a pound. Okay. You know, goes up 50 cents a pound, whatever, 20, 20, 25%. Kind of hefty. I just paid for a brisket. I believe it was three ninety nine a pound. Now the effective rate when you take when you get rid of all the fat, because remember I'm removing maybe a third of the actual weight in fat, that goes up. Now my effective cost per pound goes from three ninety nine a pound to probably in the five and a half, five seventy five, six dollar a pound category. But that's okay. But the point is inflation rampant. You look at ribs, pork ribs, baby backs or spare ribs, Costco, used to cost, uh, I think they were at, I think it was $1.99 to $2.29 a pound. And you buy it in bulk, you know, you get the three big racks. I went to go buy a three-pack of the St. Louis-style ribs, because I have a new technique on that, thanks to... Chris, the owner of Brady's, or correction, 
Brady Fisher, may he rest in peace, from Brady's Backyard Barbecue. I also learned a lot from him in terms of temperature control. Very, very important. But Chris over at Kojak's Barbecue that just closed down, but they're going to reopen, I believe, the beginning of the year. New location, sold his property. I spent about 45 minutes with him, and he gave me some very important tips. I can't share them with you because I'm sworn to secrecy. But they definitely improved my ribs exponentially. But I would pay about a buck ninety-nine. Then it went to two twenty-nine, two sixty-nine. So I happened to see the ribs there, and I'm looking, and I picked up some of the ribs, and the date on it was from like two days before. I'm like, okay, I'll pick up these three sixty-nine a pound. Okay. As I'm picking it up, the butcher at Costco lays out about. 25 more packs of the brisket, or correction, of the, of the ribs. But I look at the price. It's not $3.69 a pound. It's $4.29 a pound. I went to him. I said, hey, is that a mistake? These $3.69 two days ago. He goes, nope. We just got a price increase. I said, wait a minute. It went up $0.50 cents a pound. It went up like 17% in two days. He said, you got it. He said, you see where these ribs are right now? I said, yeah, I noticed. You move the case. It's much smaller. He said, the reason is we used to be in that case, and he pointed to a big case about 15 feet away. He said, we used to take half that case for just ribs. As the price has gone up, the number of ribs we've sold has gone down. He said, we moved it to this case because we sell now probably about half to two-thirds less than what we were selling two months ago. That's astonishing. Think about that for a second. Going from $1.99 to now $4.29 a pound. Talk about massive inflation, yet the Fed says, oh, inflation's only rising at a 5% annual clip. Bullshit. Way more. But going back to the brisket. So what I did is I took the brisket, and I trimmed it aggressively. All around, I mean, just a beautiful hunk of meat. And then what I did, I decided that I was going to season the brisket, but I was going to do so... And I was going to allow it to stay in the refrigerator, lightly covered with just a piece of foil. I was going to cover it heavily for a few days to really let, almost get like a, a, a nice, get that seasoning deep into the brisket. And then also kind of do a dry aging, a short two-day dry aging of the brisket. Eliminate some of the moisture. Now, before I season the brisket, now some people use mustard rub, some people use nothing. I decided I'm going to use some Worcestershire sauce. So I applied it heavily, very liberally, and I patted it in. And the first side I did was the side that was going to be on the bottom of the grill rack. Now, with a pellet smoker, your heat source is from the bottom. If you have an offset smoker, the heat source is from the top. So you always want to protect the meat with the fat cap wherever the heat source is coming from. So on a pellet smoker, you want the bottom of the brisket to be facing down, that where that fat cap is should be facing down so that the heat source, the meat is protected by the fat cap from the heat source coming from the bottom of the smoker. So I did that first. Now, traditional Texas rub is usually either half and half coarse pepper to kosher salt, or sometimes people use a third kosher salt to two-thirds black pepper. Well, I decided I was going to use a very special seasoning that I came across that I basically emulated. And in it, I essentially put kosher salt, coarse pepper, 
I put some garlic powder and some onion powder and then a little secret ingredient that I cannot divulge. But it's not sugar, I will tell you that. And I patted it on, I sprinkled it on, I did one layer, then patted it in, sprinkled another layer. I don't like my brisket overly salty. But you need enough salt so it's going to essentially tenderize that brisket. And, of course, a long, slow smoking of that brisket is really going to render down the fats. It's going to turn the meat into a nice gelatin, which is exactly what you want. You want it to go from a protein to a gelatin so it's nice and jiggly and very juicy and tasty. Then I did the other side of the brisket. And then I put it on the, just the way I was going to lay it on the smoker, the same way in the pan, and I left it virtually uncovered, just a small little foil just to rest on the top of the brisket. Two days. Then I took it out about two hours before I'm ready to smoke it, and I used 100% oak pellets. I didn't use a mixture of oak or hickory or maple. I didn't use solely mesquite or hickory. Nope, 100% oak. That's all I used. 100% oak. Got the smoker up to 275 degrees. Now on my Camp Chef, I can adjust the smoke level from 1 to 10. Now what they say is the higher smoke level, the more temperature variation you can get. Now one thing I've noticed about my Camp Chef, and if you've got a digital, if you can really control the amount of smoke, I don't know if Traeger's do it or some of the other brands, so I, when I first started smoking, I put it at 225, 250, 275, and I put the smoke level at 1, 2, or 3. I kept it very low, held the temperature. And I've been smoking my briskets and ribs at about 5, smoke level 5, for the last number of months. No problem. Holds the temperature. So this time I said, I am going to go to smoke level 8. I want a lot of smoke. Now, when I say a lot of smoke, it doesn't mean like you're going to have smoke bellowing out all over the place. But it generates more smoke. And when it generates more smoke, it is going to burn more of the pellets, so you may get some temperature variations. But I will tell you this. When I set it to 275, after the initial start sequence, after about the first 20 minutes, put the lid down, that temperature stayed at, got to 275, and it didn't move. It stayed at 275, even on smoke level 8. 100% oak. I then placed the brisket right in the center of the grate, closed it. And I said, I'm not going to look at it for even two and a half to three hours. I'm Now, before I would open it up, look at it, and there's an old saying in barbecuing. If you're looking, you ain't cooking. And that is a very true statement because I did not look. I did not look until the three-hour mark. Now, I have the probes in so I could see the temperature. When I put the meat on, it was right around 48 degrees. Even though I let it sit for about an hour, an hour and a half to get to room temperature, it doesn't get to room temperature. It's going to still stay cool. But it got up to, after about three hours, it was up to about the 80, 85, 90-degree mark. Great. I'm targeting for about 165 to 170, but the most important thing of, before temperature is I want that nice, dark-looking bark. I want that bark to form. Now, many people use a spray bottle. They'll take water. They'll take a combination of apple cider and apple cider vinegar. They may use Worcestershire. The problem with Worcestershire is that there are small particles, and it can clog up your sprayer. 
Uh, so you can use water with a tad bit of Worcestershire. Whatever you need, just essentially a moisture source. Now, I did put in a large moisture pan. So I put in a pan of water into the smoker towards the back. So I had, in addition to the heat, I had nice humidity going around circulating in the smoker. Well, I will tell you, made a huge difference. So at three hours, I said, let me take a quick peek. I opened it up. The bark formation was so beautiful after three hours. I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to spray this brisket. I'm not going to spray it at all. If I need to down the road, I will. But let me stick it back in, and let me see where we are. We'll go from there. So that was the three-hour mark. I decided I was going to go work out. I did. I came back an hour and 15 minutes later. Again, set it, forget it. If you're looking, you ain't cooking. I come back at the four-hour and 15-minute mark. I open it up. It's at about 175. The bark is perfect. Beautiful, dark bark, a little bit of mahogany color. Magnificent. At that point, I said, I don't even need to spray it. But I have all the smoke that I need, and I wanted to make sure I got into the 175 180 category because you want to make sure that you get through that stall. There's a point at which the meat, when you are smoking meat, where the meat is, con there's so much condensation, condensation coming from that piece of meat on the exterior surface that it naturally keeps the temperature cool. And that could go on for hours. But again, if you keep the lid shut and you're not looking at that brisket, it's going to do its thing. And sure enough, it started to push past that stall. Now, Many people wrap the brisket in foil or butcher paper. I use butcher paper to help assist getting it through. But I find if I can get it up to about 175, 180, that's where I want to wrap. Got my two big pieces of butcher paper, laid them next to each other, overlapped them, and then I put the brisket in. Now, some people will take some beef tallow and spray. They'll take some uh, olive oil. They'll, I don't do any of that. I want the natural flavor of that meat. I don't do any of that nonsense. So I put it in, wrapped it nice and tight, back on the smoker. Didn't check it. I said, I'm not going to even check it for another two hours. And I don't have to lift the lid because I had the temperature probes in, and I also used my Thermapen MK4, which guarantees temperature calibrated within, I think, six-tenths of a degree accuracy. Now, on the smoker I have, I've got the... Bluetooth and Wi-Fi app, and it allows you to monitor the temperature probes. Well, sure enough, after two hours, I look. Uh-huh. We're starting to get into the about 203, 204. Now, I'd always take my briskets off at about 203, but I decided I'm going to let it go up to maybe between 207 and 210. Now, temperature shouldn't be your sole indicator of whether a brisket is done. Take a towel. You want to lift it up. You want to feel if there's a little jiggle. It should have some pliability. So I said, I'm going to keep it on for about another half hour. Let's see where we are. So at around the two-hour and 40-minute mark, total of about seven hours into the cook, sure enough, it hits about 209, 210. I probed it with my accurate thermopen, sure enough. Everywhere it reads about the same temperature in the flat, the center, the point. I said, great, now I'm going to take it out. Now, some people take out their brisket, and they'll put it in a cooler for two hours to rest. You could do that, but I was going to slice it. I wanted it to rest for two hours, then I was going to slice it, then I was going to package it the way I've got it sliced in foil because I was going to transport it to my clandestine location, which is what I did. 
So I let it sit. First thing I did, I let it sit on the stovetop in a uh, almost like a turkey, uh, one of those uh, turkey pans that you can throw away, disposable for uh, Thanksgiving, you know, those big pans. I put the, the brisket still wrapped in the butcher paper, and I put a towel over it, just a towel for about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Let that heat slowly come down. Then I took the towel off, two-hour mark, nine hours in. I opened that bad boy up, jiggly, pliable, beautiful bark, incredible. I sliced it up. You slice the uh, flat. I take about an inch. It's called a sugar cookie. You slice that, and then you slice it again. I've got some pictures that we'll share with you. Then I slice the flat. Then I turn the point, slice that, put it all together. And, of course, I had to take several samples, several tastes. Magnificent. And I'm convinced that there were numerous reasons why my brisket came out so well. Number one. I allowed that brisket to be seasoned and dry-aged for two days in the refrigerator. That added to the taste. Number two, I used 100% oak pellets. That gives a very nice smokiness to the brisket. Third, I used a high smoke setting, 275 degrees, and I didn't even look at it until the three-hour mark. I just let it do its thing. And when it does that, you start the formation of a phenomenal bark. I didn't spray, didn't do anything. And then when the brisket got a beautiful bark, pushed past through the stall about 180, 185, I wrapped it, and I let the temperature go to about 207 to 210, higher than I normally would. Some people take it off at 200. I found that when I do that, the flat is not tender enough. When I take it to 207, 208, 210, boom, that's the magic number. And then I let it age at room temperature. Now, some people will put it in their oven, set the oven for 170, and keep it in for two, three, four hours, then take it out. That really gives you a lot of jiggle. You can do that, too. The one thing that's important is experiment. Don't say this is the only way to do it. If you want to become a pit master, experiment. That's the fun. Light a cigar, have a cocktail. That's what I did. And when you see the end result, take notes, and you say, ah, yes. I have mastered it. Now I know what to look for. I will send you pictures of this. But I will tell you that if you have not ever smoked a brisket, and everybody says, and I tend to agree, brisket is the Mac Daddy. If you can smoke a brisket, you can smoke anything else. Ribs, you can do uh, Boston butt. You can do steaks. You can do anything. Sergeant Steve, you've done briskets, correct, on your big green egg? I've done it once. I haven't done it once. often. Yeah. All right. It's been a few so years. Start. Now, in your big green egg, Sergeant Steve, you can put charcoal, but also wood too. Correct. Absolutely. You got to get some oak. Get some post oak. Stick it in there. And do you have one of those uh, et cetera things where you can keep the temperature regulated? Uh, I don't yet. Not yet. Got to get one of those. You keep it regulated two seventy five. I'm telling you, you'll make a fantastic brisket on that big green egg, and there is nothing like it. Then once you master the brisket, then you got to master slicing it. But the good news is there are certainly ways to do that. So my brisket came out great. I will uh, we'll post some pictures at CigarDave.com. By the way, don't forget to follow me on social media. Uh, let's see. Twitter is at CigarDaveShow. We're still using that. Facebook is CigarDave. We're also on Getter. Uh, I've got several accounts there. We haven't posted anything, but I'll let you know when we're up and running. But also CigarDave.com. And lastly, let me remind you that if you are looking to enhance alpha male pleasure maneuvers 
and become a cigar connoisseur, enhance the cigar experience that you may already enjoy, be sure to join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Now, for August, our shipments are going out late this week, early next week. We are featuring the Casa Torrent 1880 cigars. Now, normally we send out three cigars per month, not for August. Our members are lucking out because Alejandro Torrent, who created the Casa Torrent blend with his father, Alberto, to commemorate the Torrent family being in the cigar tobacco growing business since 1880, Alejandro said, look, we've got four cigars in the line. The Casa Torrent 1880 Claro, which is the lightest, mildest of the cigars. Our Casa Torrent 1880 Colorado, which features a medium-bodied taste with a San Andres Moron Colorado wrapper. We've got the Casa Torrent 1880 Oscuro, a little bit darker, a little richer than the other two cigars, than the Casa Torrent Claro and the 1880 Colorado, which uses a Habano Criollo wrapper. And he said, lastly, we've got the fullest flavored, fullest super rich cigar of the entire line, the Casa Torrent 1880 Maduro, ultra dark, luscious, oily San Andrean Moron wrapper. He said, General, I can't cut one of those out. Those are four of my babies. He said, I don't want to send three. I want all your officers club members to receive all four in the Casa Torrent 1880 line. If I cut one out, I would doing, be doing a disservice to me, to my family, because we're so proud of all these cigars, and to all your members. I said, Alejandro, who am I to argue? If that's what you want to do, great. And we have done that. Every month, you'll receive three premium cigars. August is an exception. You're getting four. But normally every month, you get three premium cigars shipped to you in a Cigar Dave Officers Club Ziploc pouch. Great cigars, great value, $22.95 per month. Give an example, the August Officers Club selection, I think $72 suggests the retail. Your, your price, $22.95. We love the fact that our members are ripping us off. Why? Because we're giving you incredible value and incredible deal. We're proud of that. So go to CigarDave.com right now. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month. You will get three great premium cigars shipped directly to you. All the information is there. Membership is month to month. Our past selections, our current selections, it is all there for you to inspect. CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. So as... Fraudulent elections have their consequences, and brainless Biden is taking America down the tubes. As you go to the third world country now or city of New York, you're now being asked, like they did in Nazi Germany, for your papers to prove you've been vaccinated. We tell it like it is here on Bold Alpha. We are unafraid to give it to you straight. While other shows or podcasts may be politically correct, they walk the fine yellow line in the middle of the street. They're afraid because they're wussified beta with no balls. We have nads of steel. We're not afraid to tell it like it is. Tell you the truth. Because as fellow alpha males, we don't want to hear bullshit. We want to hear the unvarnished truth, even if it is politically correct and somewhat offensive. That's what we do at Bold Alpha. Make sure you also check out our brother podcast, the Cigar Dave Show podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Alpha Dave, the general, and your global alpha male-in-chief saying, screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the socialists. Screw the enemies of America. Live it up.